So joining me on the call today, I've got Adam Conrad and Brenton Ellis, and we're here to talk about a very interesting and very tenuous topic right now, which is should I outsource? And does outsourcing really work? And how do I deal with a economy where unemployment's at an all-time low? So specifically for Australian organisations, uh, the good news is these guys not only have done it, they've done it super successfully. So welcome to the call, guys. Thanks, David. Thank you very much. So maybe tell us a bit about, uh, we might start with Brenton, because uh, your business is the business we're going to be talking about. Do you want to give us a bit of a snapshot of who you are, what you do? Sure. So we're the Guild Group. We are a multidisciplinary firm, national firm, um, offices in Victoria, New South Wales um, and Queensland. So we uh, offer services through accounting, wealth management, finance, legal, R&D and grants. Um, and we've also just launched a, a marketing division as well. Um, we're probably one of the fastest growing professional services businesses in the country. Um, and I guess part of our success in how quickly we've been able to scale is because we've worked very closely with with Adam and his team at Integrate and really focused on getting the offshoring solution right for our business and also for our, our clients. Mm -hmm. um, we're currently about 176 staff um, across Australia and Manila, and we have about 30% of our workforce. I think, Adam, you might know, but there's about 55-odd um, that we've got through through your team um, there at the moment. And, um, uh, yeah, it's been a really, really, um, I guess, beneficial um, part of it or key to our strategy on how we've been out of scale. Yeah, look, and the thing that probably piques my interest more is that how quickly this has occurred. Because I think before we started hitting the record button, you were telling me about in 2016 plus yep. or minus is yep. when this all started. So maybe take us back to the beginning of yeah, 2016. Sure. What what was the business? What did the business look like then? Yeah, sure. It has been a bit of a roller coaster um, journey. I've got a good um, good board of directors and good business partners and great team um, that have helped support and get there. But yeah, the business was originally founded back in 2016 by my business partner. Um, uh, started uh, with uh, just solely offering services in accounting. Um, I had my own accounting firm um, at that time and I had just started out um, off a, a few years of being in industry in, in the hotel industry. I started my own firm and um, had some significant growth, so a lot, lot of key industry contacts and um, pretty strong network that I, that I kind of had through years of just working in professional services. And so when um, when I kicked off, I'd had significant growth through the first 12 months. I started with zero, nearly had a million dollars by the end of the first year. I had nine nine staff, two offices, was working 100 plus hours a week, stressed out to the max with a newborn baby at home mm -hmm. um, and something wasn't right. So I was introduced to my now business partner, one of the other fellow directors through Adam, um, who had in the early stages of the Guild Group invested the time in um, the infrastructure um, of getting the offshoring right, and yep. he was explaining to me um, how that had um, how that had started, and, and lo and behold, after a few conversations and a, a trip to Manila for the Integrate first uh, birthday party, um, we decided to uh, join forces, and I rolled my business into into the Guild Group. Um, at that time, that was back in 2018. Um, so two or three years after the Guild Group originally started, there was a, we had about 3.5 mil worth of revenue and I think we had maybe about 15 staff um, combined at that time, I think of which there was about five or six that were, that were in Manila. Yeah. Um, 
uh, to now, yeah, where we're at um, with, yeah, 176 and, and 55 odds. So um, part of our growth story has been um, we've got some pretty strong organic growth through different industry verticals that we, yep. we play in, um, but then also through an M&A program um, that we run. So off the back of um, the success that we had with me integrating my business in, um, we decided that we we kind of understand this. Um, my background in hotels had a lot of M&A um, in that world as well. So it's my background as well. And mm. um, since then, we've done, since uh, in the last four, four and a bit years, we've done, um, uh, we're up to our 14th transaction. So um, part of our growth has been organic and then inorganic as well through through the M&A um, process. Okay. Um, yeah, Integrate's been there the whole time as we've kind of scaled and, and the initial structure that we had to what it is now has completely changed as well. Um, and yeah. And you were mentioning revenue growth. So you were 3.5 when you merged. Yep. Where are you um, at right now? Yeah, we're doing 27 and a half this year. Right. So yeah, it's been pretty significant. It started in accounting, um, wealth yep. management. And then yeah, over that journey as well, there's been a couple of legal businesses that have come in, um, a marketing division that we've launched uh, in general insurance and finance as well. And we have roles in each of those um, each of those departments. Fantastic. Good story. So yeah, um, it's been fun. Adam, <laughs> what have you got? <laughs> um, no, so look, uh, I suppose now that we understand how, how this growth trajectory has occurred, um, you've been the partner that's helped with the, um, with the offshoring and the integration. Um, talk to me a bit about some of the trials and tribulations that, uh, that you had to go through with, the, with, uh, with Brenton just to grow this team. Yeah, no, no problem at all. So one of the things that we, we wanted to do right when we very started this was let's get it right from a structural perspective right from day one. Let's make sure that we hire the, the right skills and the right capabilities mm. and they get the right people in. So at Integrate, we really focus on making sure that we get the very, very best people and we set the bar really high. You know, we, the staff have to have three interviews that they need to pass in the final interviews with the client. They also need to pass accounting exams and aptitude tests as well. So we make sure that we set that bar really high. But mm. what we did is we did a lot of work with the Guild Group to make sure that we understood their processes and their procedures and how the business actually hung together. Mm -hmm. And we've sent someone over from the Philippines to go over to, to Melbourne and work in the offices they're at Elsterwick at the time back then and start to document those processes and procedures and understand what needed to be offshore and what work would actually stay onshore. So we, it was a mixture of making sure that we hired the, the very best people that had the right capabilities for the skill gaps that Guild needed to be filled and then made it really easy when we brought them on by having documented processes and procedures in place as okay, well. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so what, what you're talking about is super interesting because a lot of people look at offshoring or outsourcing and they've stuck their toe in the water. Yes. Said, hey, we can get people in the Philippines for five bucks an hour. And they, they go on to things like Fiverr or, you know, um, Upwork or whatever it might be these days. And they just, they stick their toe in the water and they're sorely disappointed. But what you've just described is a very different approach. Um, how do you swing someone around from, look, we've tried that and it didn't work in the past or you know, we've had inferior quality sort of relationships or, you know, people who started working from home and then some chickens started running across in front of the screen, all those sorts of things. <laughs> How do you convince that person that this is a real thing now? 
Yeah, it's a it's a really, really good question. And it's it's taken time, right? And part of the reason that I started the business five and a half years ago yeah. was I was always hearing these stories that outsourcing and offshoring doesn't work. You know, I've come from places like Accenture, ANZ and Deutsche Bank where I've seen it work. So my whole objective when I started the business was I want to make it really successful for small and medium-sized organisations to be able to get those benefits that the big end of town do out of outsourcing and offshoring. And it's just by making sure I'm working with the clients that they actually start in the right place and they understand what they're actually looking for and what the problem is that they're trying to solve. Um, and and the part of our onboarding of our clients is really getting that really clear problem statement definition of them of what are you actually trying to achieve? What are the pains mm-hmm. that your business is having? And then what, what that solution look like? So if people come to us and they aren't able to articulate that um, and we aren't able to create a job description for yep. that, that said business, then it's not something that we actually proceed with because it's just not going to set them up for success. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to set our staff up for success because our staff are coming to us because they want a they want a career. They don't just want a job. No one needs a job in the Philippines. But if you can differentiate and provide them with a career, you're yep. going to move a long way ahead. So yeah, we work really closely with our business partners to make sure that we understand what their current landscape is, what the problems are, what those problems are they're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. And then working through to design what the right job description looks like to be able to solve those problems, get the right KPIs in place, um, the right training plans, and indoctrinate our, our customers into what makes offshoring successful. Awesome. I think the, um, the, the cost arbitrage is when we're advising our clients or talking to people about that, the cost arbitrage is the or should be the bottom focus. It's about particularly in Manila, um, you know, the time zone difference, the guys work from nine to five our time, which is six to three their time or whatever it is with daylight savings. Um, there's a big talent pool out there, particularly in the Philippines. They're all university degree qualified. Um, it's about accessing um, a bigger pool. I know what it's like here with recruitment where sometimes waiting, you know, could be four months for, for the right role in different parts of Australia. But um it's about accessing that talent pool and it's about getting the capability into the business, whether it's client or whether it's into our business, mm-hmm. um, to help it, um, you know, provide the, the service or, or the product or, or whatever it yeah, is right. that they're doing. So even in the first, in the initial stages of the Guild Group's journey with offshoring, we had minimum requirements. So let's just take tax, for example. Um, we would say that they had to have, minimum three to five years AU tax experience. So a lot of these guys might have Filipino, US or other different countries based on the work that they do, but it was minimum three to five years. So we were actually, um, Adam would come to us with two roles and say, hey, I've got a a tax qualified person here that's got five years experience and they might cost $55,000 or whatever it is. I've got this person that's got two years experience and they're 25,000. We would go for the higher option because it's all about getting the structure right. So with us, our structure is senior client-facing AU relationship managers that deal with the clients, manage the team, um, and at that point of contact, supported by Manila. Yeah, fantastic. Um, as we've scaled and as we've now got to the, you know, from 5 to 55 um, in, our, in our Philippines team, we've invested in non-billable roles, um, People, we've worked on people's career plans as to where they want to go. So take Lani, for example, who was the first 
um, first lady who I employed in my business that came on on board. She started as a um, entry level bookkeeper um, within my business, and now she's the accounting service manager that oversees the fifty five mm-hmm. staff that we have there. So um, it's about having the structure. Yeah, right super interesting. Because I, th- I think what what you both are describing is a strategic move rather than a tactical move. And uh, what I mean by that is that for most people, they're frustrated right now because of the lack of resources in Australia. So yep. they're saying, well, can't find good people. And it's funny because what you've just described is pay them more in Australia, have them client-facing, and then offset that by having the back office offshore, right? which is a massive shift in thinking for a lot of people because they're just looking for the one person that can do it all. Yep. And I think in a, in, a, in a new world that you've just described, that's they can't compete, yep. right? Because in the end, the, the client-facing side has to be relationship building, yep. has to be localised, but the back office, no one really cares. Yeah, I mean, from a client perspective, where the work is done as long as the work's done, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think further to that point, most people get into or start to think about offshoring, or they did previously to COVID anyway, around cost-saving. But the reason that businesses keep coming back to places like Integrate is because of the growth they've got out of it. We do a lot of roles in the insurance space, for example. Now, a lot of them, 70% of their role might be administration and going into insurer systems and getting information out of them. If you can take 70% of that 70% off them, how much additional revenue can they actually generate? So it doesn't, it very quickly turns away from a, a cost saving to how much revenue can we actually make and how much more profitable can we make the business? Yeah. I think that another thing is like with the, specifically with the Integrate um, model, and we actually have another provider in India that, that we use as well, but there's a difference in the offering. So with Integrate, the team yeah. are FTEs. So legally they're employed by Adam's entity, Integrate Proprietary Limited or whatever it's called, but um uh, they are Guild Group employees. So we focus on career plans. If we want to do annual performance reviews and bonuses and Christmas hampers and these types of things, it's the Guild Group's decision on how we want to um, work with our team members exactly the same as if, you know, they were sitting next to me mm-hmm. right here, um, as opposed to another small team that we have is your traditional offshoring or outsourcing model where you could, we say, hey, we want one resource and that resource could change or they could be flipped around. Um, you don't get that consistency. Yeah, gotcha. um, that, that's that's a big part of um, why we've really enjoyed working with uh, Integrate because that that model is different. Well, it makes more sense, right? Because I guess the first port of call is I'm paying less for the resource. The second port of call is I can pay more and get a premium resource. Yeah. And then I can create career path and I have this um, this almost like elite back office, which I could never build in Australia for the for a comparable cost. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you just as we sort of wrap this up, what, what are the biggest mistakes that you see, Adam, when people go into the offshoring world, what stuffs them up? What makes them get burnt and makes them say, I can't do this or I'm never doing this again? Oh, there's a lot of providers out there that provide a really cheap alternative. Yeah. Uh, and it's cheap not just in price but in, in what they actually offer. Mm-hmm. So there's some companies out there that will recruit people over into the Philippines for you. Yeah. Um, and then you have to go and pay those staff directly, which is illegal under fair work and Australian tax laws and other things. So people get themselves caught up in those troubles. Mm-hmm. Um, from our recruitment process that I spoke about before, we, we've got three 
interviews in there. The client gets the final say when do aptitude testing. We yeah. aim for the very, very best. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Brenton was saying, you've got to pay that wage to get the best people. So I think a lot of people sit there and think, I just want the cheapest resource. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the real lack of planning on what is the role that's going to make their business successful. How do they sit back and look at their business and think about it strategically? How can you free yourself up to be more generating? How can you take all of those low-value tasks away from yourself? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's a bit of that lack of planning and that lack of strategy um, around it as well would be some of the the major pitfalls. Yeah, Yeah. I think another thing you touched on here, which is stratifying the roles. So rather than saying I'm looking to replace a role in Australia with a role in the Philippines, you split it. And you say there's a high value component and there's a lower value component which doesn't need to be customer facing. So you end up with three employees doing the job of two Australian employees, um, but more effectively because now we've got a lower cost on the back end of it for for a high caliber resource. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. That was like the example that I gave with the insurance and the mortgage staff in particular. Yeah. You can take all of that administration off a mortgage broker, off an insurance broker, off yep. a customer-facing accountant, and you're getting all of that grunt work done in the background. That gives them time to build relationships, unearth other opportunities, get referrals, be on the road doing sales, doing networking events and things like that. And the job all of a sudden becomes more rewarding as well, right, for the for the Australian stuff because they don't have to do all of the things in their role that they didn't like doing. So yep. it's a big win. Yeah, fantastic. So let's just sort of sum this up with some key takeaways or big tips. So if someone's listening to this and they've been contemplating outsourcing or they've failed in the past, what are the key things that you should prioritise when you're looking at this? From from my perspective, number one is about structure. It's about having that right mix. So uh, AU and and Filipino, what is that right mix? That that for us and for our clients as well that we've been on that journey for, that is the number one to success from, from our experience. Yep. Um, I also think that um, it's about investing in people's careers and spending the time to get to know them to make sure that you're building the retention within your business. We've got some of our um, team that have been with us for five or six years now and they've got really senior roles. They're senior people within Integrate. They're senior people within the Guild Group and it's been great um, to watch them grow um, through through their careers and, um, you know, the retention will, will they'll stay within the business um, for the long time, which benefits us because they understand our systems, our processes, our clients, our, um, all of yeah, those types of things. Right. And Adam, from you? Yeah, I completely agree with both of those that Brenton said. And I'd say really have a, a deep dive look at who you're working with. What benefits are they giving to the staff? Why is it cheaper than others? Mm. So, you know, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. So, for example, you can give people 20 days leave or you can give people 12 days leave. But the quality staff, what are they going to go for? Now, we give our staff healthcare benefits for themselves and two dependents. A lot of other providers don't give that. So we're able to attract and retain the best staff. But people sit there and go, yeah. you're actually expensive. But the cheap is generally very, very cheap. You'll get high amounts of attrition. You're not going to attract the best staff. So really look at what who what model has the provider got mm-hmm. and what benefits do they give to the staff? What benefits do they give back to you as a customer? How many um references and that are they willing to provide to you what does their track record look like around customer satisfaction client satisfaction attrition and things like that and that'll really really 
sort out the the good providers from the not good providers. It's super interesting because I think the the way that you're talking about this is probably a paradigm shift for most people, right? Because they're looking at Philippines or India or anywhere else as cheap labour. And what you're saying, well, if you're already getting a discount, why not go for the top of the market and it's still cheap labour? It's just the top end of the cheap labour, not the bottom end of the cheap labour. There's almost a novelty where people like to brag around, I'm paying four bucks an hour or five bucks an hour for this person. And I'm just listening to it going, well, that's the same as paying 10 bucks an hour in Australia. <laughs> Look, there's there's definitely a cost arbitrage. There is yeah. a cost arbitrage, but that shouldn't yeah. be the focus of why you do it. No. Um, it should be about accessing the talent pool that is sitting there with university qualified people um, yeah. in a great English speaking, communicating country that's on our time zone. Yeah, fantastic. Look, uh, I'm mindful of time. We've been going for a while. And also, I want to tell everyone who's listening to this interview that we're actually going to do a deep dive. So Brenton and Adam have actually said we're quite happy to open the lid on how the Guild Group built this, all the ins and outs of recruiting, how they found the right people, how they keep the right people, and also how to actually build this into your growth model. So we've got this event coming up early next year. And uh, this is just the preemptor, just to give people a sense of what we're going to be covering. But, you know, this whole idea of 10 times growth over that short period of time is pretty phenomenal. And I think the way you're describing it, every person who's in a service-based industry could actually look at this as a strategic growth model. It's just that they're not really doing the background thinking or the background strategizing to make it work. And what we're asking them to do here is to really think about how do I bring this into my business planning process and how do I actually take advantage of, you know, these high-level resources at a discount, especially now with the Australian market being so tough with the all-time low unemployment rate, um, just really finding a way to grow the business. So, guys, really appreciate your time today. This has been awesome. I'm really excited about this interview that's coming up and how we sort of lift the lid on this and really find out what's going on beneath the work. So thanks very much for your time today. Thanks, for having us, Thanks, Brendan. Thanks, Adam.